Hi, welcome to the Prayer Houses podcast channel. We're so pleased that you found us and you've tuned in to listen to one of our Sunday sermons. This one is from Paul White, who's just returned from a trip to Sri Lanka, and you will be hearing some of the stories in a few moments. If you haven't heard already, we are now in Chapel Hay during the week. DT48LL, that's the postcode, dt 4 8LL. If you ever want to come during the week and say hello to us and grab a coffee, we'll be there. So come, say hi. We'd love to see you. On Sundays, we are at a local primary school. It's Holy Trinity Primary School. The postcode for that is DT49QX. DT49QX. We start at 10.30 on a Sunday morning and we have a great time. The last few Sundays have been beautiful in God's presence, Um, people getting healed, people getting touched by the Spirit of God, and um, we just love hanging out together. So if you'd like to know more about that or any of our midweek groups that we meet in people's homes, get in touch with us, email connect at prayerhouse.uk. You can also follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, we're there. Look up Prayer House Weymouth and you'll find us. And you can send us direct messages there as well. From whichever part of the world you're listening from, say hi to us, let us know. And here we go. This is Paul White. It's time for us to welcome Paul back from Sri Lanka, where he's been for the last week. And he's going to share the gospel with us and tell us a bit about what was happening there. So should we pray for him before we do this? Oh, we like it. Father, we thank you that you are alive and well in Paul and in us and in the churches across the world and that you are moving in power and we can be so excited about what you're doing. Please annoy his mouth and his heart and let everything that's in it flow out of it in accordance with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Well, I think it was 15 years ago I was in Sri Lanka last, which is a long time. Um, The history goes back even further than that. And when Anna and I had just been married for one year, we were invited, that kind of invitation that you're not allowed to say no to. We were part of a network of churches who ran this um, Bible college thing called the Acts Course. It was They only ran it for one year. It was, um, I think it was six weeks in the summer, like a summer school thing. And Anna and I went to it. And it's the nearest I've ever been to Bible college. And <laughs> so everything I know was from there. Kidding. Um, That was 1990, and on that course were a couple from Sri Lanka, two couples, in fact. One was um, Alan and Lalita uh, Fraser, not English, just got Scottish ancestry, and a couple called George and Rani um, Jacobs. We're still friends now, all these years on. And... uh, Alan is based in Colombo and George in Candy. It's only quite a small island, but it's stunningly beautiful. Anyone who's ever been there will have fallen in love with it, I'm sure. It's just like the Garden of the Lord. It's just the colors and the... I mean, it's warm for a start. (laughs) They were saying, oh, it's so hot. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I come from the frozen wastes of England. The permafrost in my veins hasn't even melted after three days. It's like, you know, it it was really lovely. But to come from 35 down to 10 in one go was a bit of a shocker coming back. Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) 
Um, and uh, they were saying, oh, do you want the AC on? And I'm like, no, 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 let me just have a bit more warmth. And um, But the wonderful thing is when they remember our trip from last time, Paul Wakeley, incidentally, who some of you know, has been going out a few times since and maintained a friendship and kind of ministry connection there, which has been really good. And uh, they'd invited Paul to come and do a youth conference, and he rang me and said, there's no way I'm going unless you're coming with me. So I was like, oh, man, no pressure there then, but very flattering and all the rest of it. And uh, But it was a really, really short trip. We literally got there on Saturday afternoon. We were in church at 7.30 in the morning for the, literally, we'd missed the worship and I was straight into preaching. And it's like the Tamil service. And I'm thinking, where's 40 when you need him? And because the translator looked a bit sketchy, to be honest, and I wasn't sure quite what was going over on that one. But um, it kind of built up from there. But we'd lost four and a half hours time difference. And so it was like all a little bit. Then literally the next Monday morning, we left at 3.30 a.m. to drive up to the mountains. And we're driving up these literal hairpin bends all the way up this mountain and try not to throw up back of the car and get some sleep as well and and literally we got there and we're straight into this youth conference bang first session right Paul you're on so it's like okay this is good so Jesus we trust you and uh, but the Lord is doing amazing things and it's it's been really beautiful just to see him touching people's lives and to see how those little scary moments of stepping out with words of knowledge can unlock a massive big deal in someone's life and uh, it was just so beautiful to see how God touched those young people over those three days who were there and how oh man there were times that I would I, and because we don't know them you you kind of fabricate all kinds of ideas in your head of what's really going on and I was talking the first session, I thought, these guys know all this stuff. They're probably all from really good Christian families, and they're all very well behaved. And some of the things I'm talking about won't even be an issue. It's all just a Western thing. And and but it was amazing how everything that I was I was there kind of like oh, really pushing through to go with what I felt the Lord had given me to bring. And you know, of course, when they started to respond, and you see the work. God's doing, you realize, no, this is absolutely bang on. And so it was really exciting. And um, we were also meeting with the leaders of a network of churches. And uh, they'd been, they'd reached this kind of point, they'd been together for 50 years, some of them, and they'd reached that point, I think, where they'd kind of used up a lot of their <sighs> resilience, I think. They were just, some of them were just kind of hanging on in there a bit. And yet to see what God did with those leaders over three days, just in melting them back together into a cohesive group and bringing reconciliation and saying those really difficult things that are hard to say when you've worked with someone a long time. And things have just got a little bit congested and kind of blocked. And just seeing how God opened all that up like a can of beans, just amazing. So God is good. And I don't know why he needs to send someone from England to do his things sometimes or indeed from the USA to here or from other countries to here. Why he does that, 
I don't know, but sometimes it's just like he brings in some people with fresh eyes to bring um, something, yeah, something fresh that unlocks the situation. And so um, it was extraordinary. So I, I messaged one of the guys this morning um, early to say, I'm praying that you'll be continuing on in the cloud of God's presence and glory and stuff today and he said oh we're praying the same thing and he said yesterday evening which was saturday um the musicians were having a worship practice and like this mist came in entered the room and just kind of hung there while they were worshiping so they're kind of very excited so why don't we just pray for the churches in sri lanka they've got something like 36 percent inflation at the moment so it's not that great economically and fuel is costing them what it costs us so you can imagine when your income is pretty low to fill up your car you have to get a um like a voucher to and then you're limited to i think um a certain amount of fuel per week so you have like a coupon which you have to pay for and they limit you to that much a week so it's tricky if you drive to work or for work but god is good and in the midst of all these things so uh, we were just talking a little about a bit just before the service about the ukraine situation they're very excited about the fact that we've been involved in ukraine and would you believe that in a country with 36 percent inflation and a degree of financial pressure there are ukrainian and russian refugees who have been welcomed into that community with open arms and the Sri Lankans are saying we need to budge up and make room for these guys and the Russians and Ukrainians who've come into the country are living together shoulder by shoulder shoulder to shoulder and forming a kind of Russian-ish Ukrainian-ish community of where they live together in peace and tranquility which is just incredible isn't it so even in those countries that are like you think oh, it's too poor to be much help to the big global thing when people open their hearts up is amazing what god will do so i just love to pray for that nation just for a second and father we just pray for the nation of sri lanka we thank you for the huge privilege to be able to be involved even just a little tiny bit and father we ask that just like when the seed goes into the ground and it begins to germinate. Something beautiful grows from it, something much bigger than the seed was originally. And we pray that that will happen there in Sri Lanka, in Colombo and Kandy, and throughout the different cities and towns where we have some kind of connection through Alan and George and the believers there. And Father, we thank you that somehow you have kept that relationship alive and made it meaningful and kept it as part of your economy until now and lord we pray for even for the russians and ukrainians out there and we pray lord for the whole situation with russia and ukraine and jesus we do cry out to you that you will restrain mr putin you will hold him back you will bring a resolve and peace into the whole situation end of the conflict lord but we pray as well that your kingdom will come your will be done that revival will come to ukraine to russia sri lanka britain usa wherever we know people just around the world lord every nation we want to see a move 
of your spirit unlike anything that we've ever seen before, that no one will be saying, well, of course, when blah de blah back in such and such, it was not it was better than this. Well let it let it be that we see you move in such incredible power in these days, Lord. We want to raise our heads and raise our expectations of you. Lord, we believe you're a mighty God. We believe that you the best days of your kingdom are still to come. Lord, we don't believe that we've seen the best. We believe that just like in that incredible wedding miracle, you save the best till last. And Lord, we ask that you will pour out the new wine. You will save the best till last. You'll pour it out, Lord, even in our lifetime, that we'll be alive to see it in Jesus' name. Amen. There you go. Answer the phone. Well done. So um, it's funny, isn't it, when our phone goes off and we try and make it discreet. The best thing to do is just pick it up and say, hello, I'm in a meeting. Just wait two seconds. I give you permission. Hebrews chapter 2, a little spoiler. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, so he's talking about the Old Testament there, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Wow. So he's saying, right, guys, you need to pay really good attention to the message that you've heard because the pressure's on and it's going to be really, really easy to drift away. Now, just hold that thought and we'll jump into chapter three. And he says, he's talking about Moses, chapter three, verse one. He says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. So he's saying, right, if you look at a house and it's an amazing house, you think, wow, what an amazing builder that must be to build that wonderful house. So he's saying this is how it is. Moses was there as a servant, but actually Jesus is the one who's building the whole house. Verse 4, for every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. I'm going to pause there. I know that's halfway through a sentence, which is probably really bad to do, but I just want to pause there. Right. So. If you have a boat or a kayak or a paddleboard 
or something and you paddle out to sea and you stop moving. Drifting is what you do if you stop, isn't it? Even if it's a really, really still day. So I, I often swim down at Sands Foot or go in with the kayak and stuff. And and if you, there's the cross, isn't there, that sticks up out of the water, the X. And it's, it's a fixed point. So if you stand by the fixed, or you kind of wait by the fixed point there, and you don't paddle or don't kind of swim, exercise any energy, you will drift. And it's surprising how just even on a really still day, in a few minutes, you've gone quite a long way away from a fixed point. Yeah? So drifting is what we do when we do nothing in the water. And that's why it's kind of dangerous to be on a lilo, isn't it? Because you drift out to sea, wind, and it's sometimes it's the wind, and sometimes it's the current, and sometimes it's a bit of both. I was on a bass boat once, and we went out into the race off of Portland, and they were casting, um, and then just turned the engines off, and then the race would drift us all back, like all the way back round again, and then they'd put the engines back on, power up, drive forwards into the race, and and that was the way we sort of did that like for, for most of the day, and we caught all these big bass, and it was amazing. But the, it was the drifting that was interesting, so the currents were drifting us back, and that was part of the strategy to keep in the water where all the fish were. And so the writer to the Hebrews is saying, we need to be careful that we don't drift away. Having heard the message of Jesus, there are going to be plenty of things coming along our way that will potentially make us drift. And he says, so we need to pay careful attention. He says, we must pay much closer attention. And I was thinking about it. I've often thought when I've been in the sea, swimming out at Soundsfoot, and I go out beyond the, the boats, and then I come back and I always head back towards the cross. And I kind of have this little thing in my head, I need to keep my eyes on the cross. That's my fixed point. And so it's kind of a nice little Christian analogy to keep me swimming. And uh, there was one time I went down to swim and it was an overcast kind of day and it looked like it might rain. And I swam out through the boats and... I turned round to come back and I realised that turning round looked the same as going forwards and all the boats had disappeared. In fact, the land had disappeared and there was nothing left to see. It was like visibility had just gone. It's like, it's really scary. I just had my trunks on, I didn't have a wetsuit and I was at the point where I was starting to feel a little bit colder than I would prefer. <laughs> so I was like thinking, oh my which way's home? And there was a bit of a choppy kind of wave thing going on. And I started to kind of have this little moment of thought, I could actually die now out here. And I'm only a few hundred yards from my, where I live. This is insane. And so I looked at the waves and I remembered that when I was swimming out, I was swimming into them at a certain angle. And so they were coming like this and I was swimming into them like that. So I thought, well, if I reverse that geometry, I can get back home, assuming the waves are still at the same. It might seem really stupid, but you, when you can't see the beach and you can't see anything 
recognized, there's no landmarks. All the boats were swallowed up in this misty rain. So I turned back and I began to to start to see boats again. And I, I found the found my way back to the cross. And you know, then I know I'm just a few yards from the beach. But it's really interesting, isn't it, that we can drift away from what we're called to do. We can drift away from who we are. We can lose our sense of identity. If we think about the prodigal son, it's a really good analogy. So Jesus tells the story of the boy. He wants his share of the estate. You know it very well. He says, right, Father, give me my share of the money. I'm not going to wait until you die. I want it now. Very kind of insulting for a Middle Eastern dad. So the dad raises the cash, gives it over to the son. The son goes off, spends it on wine, women, and song. He has a great big party for a few weeks until all the money's gone. And then a famine comes on the land. The whole land is in the grip of poverty and shortages. And the only thing he can do to survive is get a job feeding pigs. So he's working for this pig farmer. He's a Jewish boy. This is not a not a job of choice, he, but he's lost his sense of who he is. And it's only in when he's there looking at the pig food enviously and thinking, wow, I could just eat some pig food right now, that he comes to his senses, Jesus says, and he, and he says, I will return and go to my father. And I will say to him, I've sinned against you and against God. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he's thinking, my father's servants live better than this. I'd rather be a servant in my dad's house than wanting to eat pig food in a pigsty. So he turns around and he begins the journey home. Let me say this. When we have lost all sense of who we are and we are in the pigsty and we're far away from God, the way home is always the same. It's always repentance. The way to God is always the same. It's always repentance where we say, God, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against you. Please take me back. So he's on the way home. He's formulating his story. He's practicing his words. And then the father runs to meet him, swallows him up in this massive embrace. And the boy's trying to say his lines that he's practiced Father, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. And the Father just receives him with this massive embrace. And this is the heart of God. And this is where we live. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying, we are his house if we don't. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So he's saying, don't let go of these things. It's really interesting because there's something in Christian tradition called once saved, always saved. There's this idea that once we've believed in Jesus, once we've come to the cross, once we've had our sins forgiven, we're his forever. And I believe that. However, it is also possible to drift so far away from God that we have lost all sense of who we are. We find ourselves in the pigsty, and then we surely are not his house. The son living in the pigsty 
is not part of the household of his father, is he, anymore? He's not, he couldn't say, do you know what? Look at me. I'm a son of Mr. So-and-so. I live like a prince. Look at me. I know who I am. It was only in that moment of repentance where he came to his senses and he said, I will return that the miracle happens, that he meets the father. If he'd said, I should, I made this bed, I'm going to lie on it. I will stay in the pigsty forever. <laughs> what happens then? Let's never be the one to try and find that out. Let's, and, and here's the thing. And we really don't have time to open this really up properly. But he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And do you know what? Every single day, God is speaking. And we can allow the pressures and niggles and annoyances of life to make us turn a deaf ear towards God. Now, what had happened with those lovely brothers in Sri Lanka was not that they'd all become heathens, but that they'd allowed the pain of working together and poverty and challenges and difficulty and stuff like that to just quietly take the edge away from their radical faith, to quietly close them down in believing for miracles and signs and wonders and extraordinary demonstrations of God's power. And they were, they were all still there. They're all still together. There was one guy who'd left, but they, most of that team was still intact. But they'd lost that sharpness and that, that edge and that clarity and vision and stuff because they just quietly closed down. And so God's still speaking, but their willingness to embrace it. And, and so he says here, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. If you want to know the full story, um, look at the bottom of your page and there'll be a note to what that quote is about there. Um, but it's about when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they got rebellious against God and against Moses, and they started to close their hearts to his voice. In fact, they missed the chance of going into God's promised land for them for a whole generation. For 40 years, they had to wander around in circles, missing the whole point of everything, because they allowed their hearts to be hardened. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. Let me just give one little story, because I don't want to pray. I'm conscious of the time. I was um, talking to a guy from who'd grown up. He was in a meeting. He'd grown up in a Soviet orphanage. And he had been... I'd had some time to build a relationship with him over a few days. And there'd been lots of banter and lots of kind of messing about and stuff. And then he told me... He, he said, I've got something to tell you, which is really big deal and I said sure and he said um, when I was growing up in the orphanage there was a time when some boys raped me in the orphanage and I said well I'm really sorry to hear that and I said we can come to Jesus with that pain and Jesus can bring healing into your life and restore you and so we just started to kind of go down that road, if you like. And he said, no, actually, it wasn't 
me who was raped. It was me who committed the rape. And I thought, man, he's been testing me for these days. What is going to be Paul's reaction if I tell him my deepest, deepest, darkest secret? He was kept away from intimacy with God because of shame. He dreaded to think what would happen if somebody really knew what he was really capable of and what he'd really done. And so there was this big shadow of shame over his life that was keeping him in the pigsty. That was keeping him away from the real lavish embrace of the father. So for the, for the guy who's grown up in a, in a Soviet orphanage and committed a rape, the way home is the same for the Christian person who's just lost their ability to hear from God and has allowed their hearts to grow dull. They've allowed their affection to wane towards God. So in the book of Revelation, Jesus says to a particular church, he says, you've forgotten your first love. Therefore, repent. It's the same thing. It doesn't, in a sense, the guy who's talking to me about having raped somebody knows how far he is from God's kind of best for his life. Do you know what I mean? But sometimes for us as believers, we can drift and we lose track and the mist comes down and we don't know which way's home. And it's the same way every time. We retrace our steps. We make our way back to the cross. You see, if I don't want to drift, I can cling to the cross and it will hold me. I'm talking metaphorically, as you know, but hopefully it will be something that sticks in our minds. Drifting is what we do if we do nothing because the current and the tide and the wind of life will drift us away from intimacy with Jesus. So whether we're starting out home for the first time or whether we've been back many times, you see, it doesn't matter how many times I go out swimming. If I'm going to get home, I've got to repent and turn around, haven't I? Otherwise, I should be in a watery grave somewhere mid-channel. It's not my destiny. <laughs> so why don't we stand... And I'm going to pray, and I would just love it if wherever we're at today, we would just say, Jesus, oh, God, I'm coming home again. If you don't think you've drifted, just reach out and grab hold of the cross again this morning. But if you know you've drifted, just say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. Please take me back into your house. If your sin has been like something that is shameful and is over your life like a dark shadow, please talk to me today before you go home or somebody you trust because there is a remedy. There is a remedy for sin. It's called the cross. And I can help you 
find Jesus and find that forgiveness that welcomes you into his house as a son or daughter. But if it's just that you know you've drifted, you're not the person you used to be, you're not living in that place of faith and joy and excitement in God that you have enjoyed before, to say, Lord, I've drifted. Help me back. Fill me again today. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Whoa, Jesus, Lord, thank you that you are in the business of restoration. You're in the business of restoring. You restore my soul. Jesus, Lord, I pray for each of us today. You draw us in real close. That we would not harden our hearts when we hear your voice, but we would have that edge, that sharpness, that clarity in us to be able to point other people to you, Lord, and to step out in faith and do exploits and live large and conquer kingdoms and all of those things that you've called us to. Lord, I pray that there would be none of us here who are hiding away because of shame. Lord, that you would bring each one of us back into the Father's house with great rejoicing. Oh, God. Just let him wash over you now with his spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So barakata marayene. Beautiful Savior. Thank you, Lord. Shara Amara Kumurukuti Baranamaranta. Beautiful Savior. Lord, thank you that you're the one who, in the middle of your own darkest hour of suffering, could look at the guy on the cross next to you and pour forgiveness all over him as he reaches out to you. <laughs> Lord Jesus, our confidence is in you. Our confidence is not in ourselves, our ability to get it right, but our confidence is in your incredible love incredible willingness to forgive us and today we throw ourselves on you lord say here we are yeah thank you god thank you lord awesome thank you lord